1: Hey guys, and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School Podcast. I'm Haley.
0: And I'm Sam.
1: This week, guys, we have a very special guest that is going to talk to us all about law school, how to get into law school, how to be successful in law school. And next week, I know probably many of you saw on our Instagram that we asked uh, all of our 1L gals and guys to give us their experience and just, you know, maybe a cold call that happened this week and everything like that. Um, We're going to save those for next week's episode because I know there are a few of you guys who still have to start next week. So we want to make sure everyone's included and listen to all the stories. We've already got some really funny ones, so we can't wait
0: to share. So if you guys follow us on Instagram, you definitely know that we both started our second year this past week. So Haley, how do you think our first week went? Oh man, I mean,
1: it was good and then it was bad and then it was good again and then it's like back to the middle. So (laughs) I mean, you know, I think at the beginning of the week I was excited to go back to work and, you know, started constitutional law and was feeling good about it. Um, and then Tuesday came and I had so many classes and so much work to do and it kind of just piled up on top of me and, um, it was hard to get out from under. And I really think that, you know, with five classes that are reading heavy, curriculum heavy, it just was a lot of work. So, uh. I didn't necessarily expect that and wasn't quite used to it considering, you know, we finished up last semester online and our last, uh, our summer class, I only took one and it was also online. So it was definitely different and took some getting used to.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like it was a very hard week. Um, there was a lot of reading more than I'm used to for sure. And then there's just, a it's just very dense reading, right? So um, it just takes a lot of um, attention to detail. It's not really like in your 1L year where you can kind of read your torts book and you can kind of zoom through it and just like make a few markings and you pretty much get it. Like this stuff is just way more in depth than every word counts, you know? So yeah, I'm like really tired, exhausted. A lot of you guys in the messages um, from when we asked you guys said you guys were exhausted too, and I totally get that um, because I've been having days that I start literally waking up at 5.30 and by 6.30 I'm reading and then I'm going pretty much until 9 to 10 p.m. the past few days for exception of yesterday. So yeah, I mean... It's been tough, but I do really like going to the school. I like um we've been student- student facilitating these this past week, and it's been good. It's not hard. It's nice you know to you know being sitting in a different class and you don't really have to worry about getting cold called or anything. I haven't gotten cold called yet. I don't think that um any of our classes are gonna be like. I don't think any of our professors are going to get weird about cold calling. Everyone seems really chill. So yeah, overall it's been a good week, but definitely tired. Yeah, I would
1: have to agree. I mean, like she said, I'm exhausted. I know we all are. Um, in the questions, we got a ton about our routine, and as Samantha just said, you know, she wakes up at around five thirty, goes to bed around nine or ten. It starts reading at 630, uh, you know, maybe has class around what time do you usually have class whenever you?
0: Um. Well, I have been waking up at the same time, regardless of what time I have class. But like my earliest class is at 830.
1: Yeah. So, you know, maybe she goes to class or maybe she's just reading and working on stuff because, you know... While on our Mondays and Wednesdays, we don't start class till one, or you know, maybe she does her student facilitator before that. There's so much reading for Tuesday and Thursday classes that you have to like separate it out because it's like very hard to put it all together. Um, but I know that I am not such an early riser, so for anyone out there who maybe doesn't wake up at 5:30, I totally get that. Sven's <laughs> always knows that like I'm gonna be awake probably like two hours after her, three, maybe depending on the weekend, like. Um, I know last week, whenever, before we started school, I was like trying to enjoy my sleep, you know, but, um, I usually get up around seven 30, you know, seven ish. And I actually didn't go to bed last week until one o'clock one night. So yeah, you're going to make up that time regardless. I just want to like, you know, make sure that's understood because as I was telling Samantha, before we started recording that. Just so many of you guys were asking about routine and routines are different for everyone. I think it just really boils down to the work that you do in that time frame. You just have to do it some point.
0: Like just going off of how everyone is so different. Like I like waking up early because I don't I, I get super stressed out if it's getting towards the end of the day and I have a lot on my to-do list. I just It's not healthy for me, but some people are like, you know, more night owls and it might be so, you know, we're going to be asking our guests today about her routine and stuff and it might be completely different than ours, but just understand like you need to figure out your own routine and whenever we share ours, like don't feel like you need to be waking up at 530 or, you know, it's a total personal choice and you might find a way that works for you that where you can have a normal sleeping schedule, but I just haven't figured that out for myself yet for this semester.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I told Samantha as well that we should probably ask many of our guests and, you know, different law students that we meet, like you can ask them how much they sleep in, what their routine is every day. And it's going to be so different for everybody. And they're going to be like, well, it depends on the day. (laughs) Like that's just such a common answer, I know. So, uh, yeah, guys, I'm really
0: excited for us to do the interview and we'll jump right into that. Also, if you guys stay until the end of the interview, We're going to be giving out a special discount code for merch. I know you guys love discount codes. So yeah, stay till the end and we will announce that then. But yeah, say hello to our guest, Elizabeth Freeman. Okay, guys, we're back
1: with a 2L from Oklahoma City. She went to Oklahoma Christian University for undergraduate and studied history she also played collegiate golf and currently volunteers for CASA and is a CASA. You'll have to tell us a little bit more about that. Welcome, Miss Elizabeth Freeman.
0: Hi, guys. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, you know, talk to us. So
2: Yeah, no, I'm so excited to be here. I love this podcast, and I love you guys. <laughs> oh, thank
0: Thanks. you. So I guess let's just jump right into it because you guys had literally like almost 250 questions. And so obviously you guys really want to know what it takes to be a really successful law student because that is what Elizabeth is. You know, she's really smart and she cracked the code on what it takes to be a top student. So we're just going to go talk about all of it pretty much. So I guess the first thing uh, that law students kind of have to go through or pre-law students is the LSAT. That's the first step. So we got a bunch of questions, and I guess the first one is just, in undergrad, how did you prepare for law school? Like, did you know you wanted to go to law school? When did you kind of decide when you wanted to take that step? Yeah,
2: so I actually started as a nursing major, and yeah, I know, wild, (laughs) Um, and I took an intro bio class for nursing students and kind of decided that that was not for me. And i had always had a love for history and research and writing, so I thought getting a degree in history would be good, and so law school made sense. So I started uh, studying probably the spring going into um, junior year, and I actually was really lucky and won a raffle at some law school boot camp thing for a free Kaplan ca- class. Hmm. And um, so I did that. It was in person at OU. And it was really great because I had somebody in person teaching me the basics, which was cool, but it didn't move my diagnostic score. So it just really didn't do anything for me. So I knew that after the June test, I would have to take it again. So I just self-studied with the rest of my Kaplan materials, because they give you all these online practice tests and the book and all of that. And so I just kept reading those, did a lot of practice tests, and then took it in September. So I think it was like five weeks after I got my June score. And I got the same score. So I was like, okay, well, this freaking sucks. (laughs) Just for listeners, it was uh, a 148 which for me, like I had a goal of 160 for the schools that I wanted to go to. So I was pretty bummed that I got it twice and I probably cried for about a week. And my parents had all these all their attorney friends like texting me like, don't give up. You can do it. You know, this oh, happens. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I honestly didn't really want to hear it at the time. So then I had a meeting with my law school advisor or not law school my undergrad advisor. And he basically told me that law school was probably not for me. And that was just like really discouraging because that's, I mean, that was my plan. Like you get a degree in history and you're either going to teach, which I didn't want to do. You're going to get a master's or a PhD and teach, or you're going to go to law school. And I didn't want to do the latter. So I was really discouraged. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to take the rest of this semester and just take it in January because I knew I would have enough time. And I was like, I'm also going to find a different book that makes sense for me. So I found The LSAT Trainer by Mike Kim. That book is a lot smaller than like the, the Power Score books, it's like all three of the topics in one book that's like an inch two inches big it just explained everything kind of backwards than like Kaplan did and it made sense
1: yeah
2: Yeah. and so I read that whole book did all those exercises did um, tons of practice tests and really focused on why I got answers wrong instead of like oh I got all these right Mm -hmm. like great let's keep taking practice tests And I think that's my downfall from the beginning was I wasn't focusing on what was wrong and why I got them wrong. And so then I ended up getting a score of 155. So I was like, okay, you know what? It's already January. I need to start applying. I don't know. It's been a long time. (laughs) But um, yeah, so then I got my score I had everything already ready. So I had already written my personal statement, my, I had my resume, I had transcripts, letter of recs, all of that. So literally the day I got the score, I pressed send on yeah. all applications and I got accepted to every single school except for one. Yeah. So that's my
1: LSAT story. <laughs> I really enjoyed that story. <laughs> but also I think it's really interesting. Okay. The key there guys is the time really. It's, she started early. She, that time between the same score wasn't very long. I had the Mm -hmm. same experience. If you don't study and you don't really put in the time, I mean, a good six months of figuring out exactly what you said, dude. Why am I getting these wrong? What am I missing? Is it the time? Is it this one tiny thing I'm not understanding? And dedicating that, that's how you get your score up. It's not a Kaplan course or the power score book. It's not one particular thing. It's your work. And I think that's why it's a, flash forward to law school.
0: And I also think um, what you said about your law school, well, law school counselor, I would guess it'd be the undergrad law school counselor. Like, obviously there's a lot of people getting told that they shouldn't be in law school and that they shouldn't be going just because of like a score or your GPA. And clearly we're all in law school right now. and We're all doing really great. So you can definitely do it too. So if you have someone in your life telling you, no, like, just don't, Listen to them if you actually want to go to law school. Like we had a whole episode about this last time, but you know, it's not as uh, rare as you guys think.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, the LSAT, yeah, it's a good test to, um, you know, see if you have analytical skills because you do use that in law school, but it's not an indicator of how well you'll do
1: at all. So whenever you were talking about applying and you had everything ready to go, what did you focus on in your personal statement?
2: yeah so um, I played college golf, so I really honed in on what just kind of what the game and being an athlete on my life has taught me and I mean, I think thinking back on what I wrote about, I think I really talked about just having persistence, diligence, um, time management skills, things like that, and so I related that and how that would make me a successful law student, and that would inevitably made me a successful lawyer
0: (laughs) so when you were deciding to go to a school because obviously you chose ocu and i'm sure that in the on all your your law school applications and acceptances like scholarships are obviously a thing so did you have to like negotiate any scholarships like um or maybe if you got a bigger one at another school kind of use it to get more at a different school like did you have to do that and if you did how did that go
2: yeah, I actually did. So I was going between OCU, Oklahoma City School of Law, and um, Washburn in Topeka, Kansas, and, which is so random. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it. And there, the guy there that I spoke to was from Oklahoma City. So mm-hmm. he was like, you know, trying to drag mm-hmm. me. Yeah. He was like, hey, Oklahoma City, come here. But I went up there for a visit. And the people there were so personable. Mm-hmm. And I am just so attracted to that. Yeah. And which so are the people at OCU. So it was like, uh, you know, um, but they basically their tuition was a lot lower. So when it came to scholarship, it was kind of equal to OCU in terms of just like generally. Yeah. And then um, when I was deciding, I basically told them, like, I really I told Washburn, I was like, I really like you guys. Like, I really want to be here. I see myself here. But. The one downfall is I don't really, I don't want to practice in Kansas. Like I don't really want to be in Kansas. So if you could, you know, give me just a little bit more money so that moving six hours away, paying rent at a place would make it worth it. And basically they were like, I mean, first they were the ones that encouraged me when I came to visit, like, if you want to negotiate, like, let us know, which was really interesting, but it also made me feel really wanted, which is really cool. So we talked about that. And ultimately, they did give me a little bit more, but it just made more sense for me to just like stay home, save money. Um, I live with my parents. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how that went. Totally. If you are in a situation like that, just ask. Because if you don't ask, the answer is always no. I
1: love that. Okay, well, let's dive into law school now. So you were accepted, obviously, (laughs) negotiated some scholarship money. You didn't move because you live with your parents and you're from Oklahoma City. So how did you deal with the transition into law school?
2: Yeah. So I basically told my parents, I was like, Hey, I'm an only child by the way. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, they're, you know, Mm they're one and only baby, whatever. So like, they want to hang out all the time. And I'm just like, Hey, we live together. We're roommates, but I cannot. So like maybe Friday nights or something, we can go do whatever, but I will see you when I see you. Like I treated law school as like a nine to five. I was up there. I got all my reading done there because I knew that I wouldn't get it done at Mm -hmm. home. And I knew I'd be distracted with tv and mom saying what are you doing so (laughs) yeah so that's kind of how i dealt with that
1: i think we generally get this question a lot like how do you do and get all of your reading done and i mean you just said obviously you did it at the school and you made sure to like go where you're not going to get distracted but i think how do you you know organize your reading and like just like we have so much now how does that go
0: also do you just like sit down for like Six hours and just get it all done, or do you like take breaks? Like, just I guess the process.
2: Yeah. So I okay. First, I'll talk about how I read and take my notes. So I take notes while I read on the left side of my notebook with one colored pen, and then on the right side of my notebook with a different colored pen. Alongside the outside of class notes are my lecture. So I have them side by side in different colors, usually lined up with like topics. And um, so I do take notes while I read outside of class, and then obviously I take lecture notes, and then I usually take those notes at the end of the week and just plug it into my outline. I also still case brief. I make a full case brief for every single case, even if it's like really freaking short. And I also book brief with annotations. So like, while I book brief. I'm, I have found that like actively reading and annotating in the margins, like a kind of like a little summary of what I think is going on helps me understand it better. And then if I'm cold called, I have my little notes right there in the text along with my case brief. So that's organized. Yeah. Them. So yeah. that's how I do that. And usually if we're talking about a specific case in class, I'll take notes on that printed out piece of paper that I So I don't use my computer, an iPad or anything. Everything's handwritten. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the other question, I do sit down for hours at a time. I'll take a break here and there if I finish a subject, but it's usually (laughs) all the way through.
0: We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible.
1: Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers,
0: nonfiction, autobiographies,
1: and mysteries.
0: And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McBadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go.
1: And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to
0: navigate the complexities
1: of money management.
0: What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go. Whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So
1: if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
0: So how do you stay? Okay, so I know a lot of people will try to sit down for a lot of hours on end and they just can't. So how do you keep yourself motivated? Are you just naturally a not distracted person or do you genuinely have to like talk yourself into sitting there and be like, you know what, I just got to get it over with? Like, how do you motivate yourself?
2: Yeah. So I definitely sit there and tell myself, you have to get this done. Like you can't go home until you get this done and you need to get it done because you have all this to do tomorrow. So yeah. like, I think having that mindset of... So that
1: discipline that you about in the sport and...
2: No, that seriously translates into, like, everything I've done. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I do that. And I also turn my phone off. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, yeah, I turn my phone off or on do not disturb or Mm -hmm. whatever so that I am not looking at it. Because I think I read some study that, like, when you look at your phone while you're reading, you lose, like, getting back into focus takes an extra 10 minutes or something like that. And I was like, yeah, no. So mm-hmm. the phone goes
0: off and I just grind through it. I mean, I really try to do that. But I mean, I think I do need to turn off my phone because I keep mine on Do Not Disturb. But I think I'm just so programmed to just, you know, flipping it over, seeing yeah. if I had a notification. Like recently, Haley has convinced me to turn off pretty much. She turned off the notifications for like the law school mm-hmm. Instagram, Instagram. And I've had to turn them off now because mm-hmm. I am turning into that person that's like, mm-hmm you know like no, so it's i get overwhelming
1: that and it's just, well, i mean it's just i mean like you said we're programmed to pick up our phone and just yeah. And that's crazy because thinking about that just picking up my phone there's nothing on there i just look at something because it's like instinct 10 minutes and then i'm like oh i'm already like yeah, yeah. it's
2: kind of like when i sit there on tiktok at
1: night three <laughs> hours go by and i'm like oh shoot you're like wow i just wasted three <laughs> hours what are we I gonna do yeah yeah no, totally
0: so what does an average week for you look like? I guess what would, what would be your daily routine just one day from the time you wake up until you go to bed?
2: Thinking back 1LY's schedule, we would have, what, two classes a day? Mm-hmm. And they would have, like, probably an hour and a half in between, so... I think our earliest was like 9:30. So I'm not an early person at all. I don't like work out in the morning to get endorphins. Like I, I literally wake up, drink like three cups of coffee, and then go to class.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, yeah. So I would just get up. I'd get to school before class, probably about an hour, so that I can just review, just to make sure that I am prepared if I do get cold called, and I do want to understand what's going on. So I. I probably look at my materials three or four times before I go to class. And then after class, I would probably take like a 15 minute break, get on my phone, you know, like, and then um, then I would review for the next one, then do it again. And then I go to class and then stay at school and get the work done and then go home. And then I'd usually uh, just find something mindless to do, whether that be TV or go on a walk or, I don't know, color a picture, something, something <laughs> yeah. super mindless because you are mentally exhausted by the end, but you can find ways to, you know, decompress. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: So whenever you say like you go on walks and and obviously like I'm not really an early riser either. So do you find yourself like needing to work out just for like the stress of it all? I know that that's something that I found, but like it's hard to put in the time because yeah. committing to that is like, a lot of time and we don't have a lot of time so you know how do you feel about that
2: yeah so first semester I didn't work out because I needed to figure out how to manage the time and but when quarantine happened I had all that time and with being online you 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 have so much more time because you're not driving back and forth. Mm-hmm. You're not having to get ready. So mm-hmm. like I had extra time in the day, 30 minutes to sit there and work out. Yeah. So I did start doing that probably around February and have kept it up. And you know, this past week I've worked out every single day, it's awesome. <laughs> whether it's before class or after. Yeah. I mean, I've been exhausted. I went to bed at eight o'clock on Thursday because yeah. I was so tired, but I do feel a lot better. So if you do have that hobby, stick with it because you you're
0: you need it mentally and you need it just you need it to function. Yeah. I um during quarantine started up running but haven't been able to get up back on my routine yet. For me, going on vacation two two weeks before school started (laughs) kind of just put me in vacation mode and then I got back to normal life and I'm like, ah like I don't know what to do. (laughs) So yeah. Definitely gotta get back on that workout grind.
1: In that routine, I think that just shows that like a routine is so important. And I, I totally understand and empathize with you about the idea of first semester being like, what do I do? How do I figure all this out? Like probably doing the most in every possible category, okay. just trying to figure out what's going to work for you, you know? And it almost seems like working out doesn't fit in there, it but it should, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: So... I know um, you said you prepare like up to four times before class so you're you know you know what's going on but have you ever experienced not getting lost but kind of getting in the weeds of the subjects as they may say like how do you get yourself out of that like do you go talk to the teacher do you look at supplements like how do you figure that out
2: so my study group and I I a couple of them would get like stuck on something that wasn't like the like the main issue and so I always made it a point to look at the context of where Mm -hmm. the case or whatever you're reading is because like that tells you a lot right there so I did I felt like I made it a point to make sure I knew where we were at in the book And so I wouldn't get distracted by, oh, the case is talking about this, but really it's about this. Yeah, so I did use study supplements. Our school's really great and does um, the West academic ones with like the short and happy guides and the acing torts or whatever it is. And so when I was either struggling or just wanted better clarification on a doctrine or rule, I would go to that because not only do they explain it, In layperson's terms, they also give examples and problems. So that was really helpful. And then I also purchased um, glanning guides and um, explanations and examples. So those are really, really helpful. We'll be right back.
0: Are you a Caribbean American? Are you looking for a podcast that truly speaks to your culture and identity? Look no further than Carry On Friends. The ultimate destination for all things Caribbean American, hosted by me, Carrie Ann. Dive deep into topics such as culture, heritage, and everyday life through the unique lens of the Caribbean American experience. You'll walk away feeling more connected to your roots. Follow and listen on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American experience. Your Caribbean American community awaits. Do you have a preference to any of those? I know like I personally prefer the glanning guides, but you know, everyone's different.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely, I prefer the glanning guides too. I only had the civil procedure one, but that was the class that I needed it for.
1: So it made sense. Glanning gang, you heard it
0: here first. (laughs)
1: So we had a question from a 1L, basically, you know, how to study. I know that's such a broad question, but, and you talked a little bit about writing your notes on either side and the whole you know seeing your materials four times before class even starts right like those are ways to study obviously but you know she's read the cases she's briefed it now what what is what you know what's the next step so when i studied for finals if that's what you're referencing yeah yeah yeah.
2: i one i made sure that all my outlines were finished before that reading period started Mm -hmm. so what was that fall semester like right before thanksgiving Mm -hmm. i made sure they were all done so, that when reading period started, I could start reviewing everything and then start doing hypos and practice tests and um, all the things. And I, for contracts, our professor wrote his own book and I literally reread it. Like, I reread You're the like, whole thing. <laughs> yeah, what else am I going to do?
1: Yeah, so, um,
2: yeah, so that's basically, I finished my outlines, reviewed everything. And then I started to do the hypotheticals and our school, pro- I would think most schools do this where they hand out prior, or past exams with past answers written by your teachers. And I basically would take one after I've studied everything. So I think I know everything. I would take it in a simulated situation. So usually it'd be like an hour and a half question. And so I'd block out an hour and a half, be in a room that's super quiet. I'd even put my earplugs in. Cause I do that when I take tests Mm -hmm. and, um, I would type it out and do like I would in the real deal. And when I would look at their answer, I would compare and basically, basically find what is not like theirs. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the trick to the final exam game because, because final exams are a freaking game there's nothing else to it yeah you need to know the stuff but it is a game and when I did that I found what language they like to use Mm -hmm. I found how they formatted stuff I -hmm. found like where they would rather put you know a rule statement next to facts like I just found what language they preferred in their answers and basically just tried to mimic it until it was close because, you know, I had like three or four practice uh, exams. And so that's what I did because I realized that it was a freaking game. And, um,
1: and everyone's different. Too. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. This is kind of getting a little ahead. But when I got to my internship this summer, that was like a big thing they, that they really honed in on was who are you writing for? Like, what is who is your audience? And so I thought, oh, this is kind of like a final exam. The audience is my teacher. This is how they like it. Mm-hmm. So then when I was writing briefs and memos, this is how they like it. This mm-hmm. is this is the audience I'm writing to. So that kind of law school exam, um, I guess, format translates into being a lawyer.
1: You definitely know how to mimic it when you have the examples of the mm-hmm. test. But how, you know, in the internship, how did you know what they like? Well,
2: where I was, they had like a system where mm-hmm. you could go in and basically look at past work of attorneys. So mm-hmm. my assigning attorney would be like, hey, write me a research memo over blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay. So first I would do my basic research, like literally Google. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would go into that system and look at their past memos mm-hmm. or their past briefs and be like, oh, this is how they like to write it. Or this mm-hmm. is how. They, you know, they're not as formal as you learn in LRW. Do they want me to write it like this? And so I did. And I mean, it worked out.
1: The whole sum up of your story, whenever I'm listening, is that you're a hard worker. I mean, at the end of the day, there's just no denying that. Uh, The amount of work that you put in for your finals paid off dividends because, I mean, you did a lot of work, more work than I definitely did. And hearing that, you know, when it comes out in the end, you kind of see why you might've, why I missed those things that they didn't, um, that they wanted in particular, because maybe I didn't necessarily know exactly what it was. So I think that that's interesting and really good advice, everyone. I know all the 250 questioners <laughs> are like, listen to that, <laughs> write that down. <laughs> like that's the good one, put in the hard work.
0: I also think um just knowing your audience like you said is important because I focused a lot on just doctrine and like the cases and just wrote my exams in that way and I was like oh well if I have all the doctrine if I have all the cases and like the analysis that I think that they're going to like but not knowing how the professor genuinely likes it formatted like that's a difference because you know we get um like one of our teachers showed us one of uh the exams that did really well in God's drags- mine <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't know if we want to expose that. But I remember looking back, I was like, well, I have all the doctrine and like the rule and stuff, but my analysis is definitely like you can tell, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the difference between like an A and a B, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. So just yeah, the really good advice. The best part
2: of him showing that test, he goes, Well, this person could have done this. And I was just like, Oh. <laughs> you're
1: like you're literally Dragging me right here, but also not exposing me,
0: but also I know it's me. So I don't like this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also like how much better can it get? Like, what are you expecting? Also, he went to Yale. So like
1: <laughs> He's yeah. got, his expectations are high.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So going back to
1: basically you um, talked to, I love the final, um, the finals advice. Okay. But let's take it back to outlining. Okay. So basically uh, tell us about your outlining, like ba- the routine of it. I know you said you would make sure everything's in there. You made sure they were done before Thanksgiving, but how do you get the outlines? What are in the outlines?
0: Also, did you like have an older student send you like an example or outlines? Because I know a lot of people get outlines sent to them. So I don't know, you know.
2: Um, I didn't have any outlines sent to me. I looked at, um, for example, Barbary. Um, they're like really long and really detailed. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is a little much. Yeah. So I probably started outlining week three because, you know, when you're a 1L and it's first semester, the first couple of weeks, you don't have anything substantive to put in an outline, yeah. but I did give the bones. So like I went through the table of contents of like our syllabus and just like, you know, did the Roman numerals and the capital yes. A, B, C. And, uh, Then from there, once we started to get into the thick of things, I would, I did it basically by case. Um, So I would do like um, the name of the case, a couple trigger facts, if you will, and then the main rule. And I would like bold, like, here is the, this is the takeaway from this case. And then if there were any like hypos we did in class that were related to the case, like we did in torts a few times, um, related back to this one case, I would put those in there. Um, My outlines really weren't super long or like it really wasn't much to it. I also would take stuff that uh, really resonated with me in the study supplements and copy and paste into there because a lot of that was, hey, this is a way easier way to understand this. And here it is. And I would make sure that was in a different like color and all that. So I knew that that wasn't my own work and it wasn't coming from the book. That's basically how my outline went. I mean, I know a couple people that didn't outline and did really well. So like law school's weird. You just have to figure out what, (laughs) I mean, you guys do flow charts and stuff. So Mm -hmm. like flow charts don't work for me. So I, I mean, there's so many different ways to study and so many different ways to just
0: do it. I mean, yeah. Did you ever feel that you had to teach yourself a majority of a subject because maybe you didn't click with how the teacher taught
2: at all? Yes and no. I mean, there were certain like crim law, for example. I did watch a lot of um, videos. Um, I did read a lot of supplements for that one. I don't think I particularly taught myself anything. I think it was just clarification.
1: What about issue spotting? I know now let's, you know, kind of move past 1L into 2L and we're getting into these harder subjects that maybe, you know, we haven't really experienced before. So, you know, how, whenever you're reading, do you make sure that you're, I know you said earlier, you know, using the context of the book, of course, but you know, what if you're just reading and you're just bogged down, you don't know, you're always missing something. Like, how do you, what's your advice on that?
2: I mean, if you're just bogged down and you're not getting anything out of the reading then take a break, like breaks yeah. are so important. Mm-hmm. I take a day off every week. Saturdays are my free day. I'm probably going to go home and sleep after this, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, maybe lay out. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like I said, the context of the book and just being an active reader while you read I'm having the different colors of like facts, issue, rule, holding, I usually, if. Um, A case mentions other cases and discusses like whether they're distinguishable or whether they're similar. That's its own color. Like, I think just paying attention to what you're reading and knowing where you are in the book will help you with spotting exactly what they're talking about and, and the issues that are there.
0: So what do you think is the most important skill that you need to navigate law school as a whole? Do you think it's analytical skills or people skills? Like, what do you think is the best skill?
2: I mean, you can learn analytical skills as you go. Like, they're teaching you how to think that way. So, I mean, for me, like, logical reasoning on the (laughs) LSAT was the hardest part. I mean, that's all analytical. So it's just kind of like okay so i think i learned as i went i have on my bathroom mirror i have a um what's it called when it like goes vertical and then it spells something out but like the vertical oh, is a word um, what's that called I don't know. anyway <laughs> it's yeah. that. i'm sure you,
0: i'm sure you guys know what we're talking about yeah but well maybe we'll insert it in the show notes but you guys know what we're talking about come on <laughs>
2: So, like going vertically down, it spells Credo, C R E D O, which Credo is like something you believe in, something you follow. But each uh, letter in that word stands for something, and I see it every single day. So, the C is consistency, the R is rigorous, the E is efficient, the D is diligent, and the O is organized. And so, basically, I see that every single day. And that reminds me every single day that if I show up to class, prepared I've read I have put in the work I've been consistent I've organized it there's no way that you won't do well like there's literally no way so I think that
1: snaps for that I mean, like, <laughs> that is just like I I love that I want to write that down Yeah, write it I down use it for that. I know we might we, stay tuned
2: <laughs> <laughs> no but it is that just having that reminder and like Knowing that if I just do these simple daily tasks, Mm. the end result
0: is just, I mean, it's not going to be bad. So I guess talking about the end result of 1L, everyone who goes through 1L knows that we have like application process for law firms and getting summer internships. And obviously you went through the bidding process and all of that. So do you just want to tell us a little bit about how that process goes and like where you ended up interning and just a little bit about what you did so the bidding process is really weird honestly
2: you you like get your resume a writing sample and a cover letter for whatever firm that is going to come to school and you just send it out there and they basically decide from there do we want to interview this person? So you just by sending your stuff out doesn't mean you get an interview. So then you get a notification or I mean, an email that says, hey, we're going to interview on this day. And I that was the busiest week of my life. I had seven interviews. It was absolutely insane. I had to look nice every single day, (laughs) which like whatever. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how that went. And the interviews are like 15, 20 minutes, which is not a long time and it was crazy cuz i had never had a formal interview before this i mean like my only job i've ever had before law school was a beer cart girl at <laughs> a golf course <laughs> so like i mean i was so nervous yeah. and um luckily the school like did a mock interview mm-hmm. thing so i did that and um they were all like you did great and i was like okay but you go in there and you have 15 minutes to show them who you are which is really difficult but i just I, get, I did that. And I, um, you know, really got it across to them that I was this hard worker and persistent and diligent person that like I would do the work that they want from an intern. I ended up working at Crow and Dunleavy, which is a big firm in downtown Oklahoma City. It's the oldest firm in Oklahoma, which is kind of cool. I loved it. <laughs> it was great.
1: What kind of work did you do?
2: Yeah. So I, um, I wrote a lot of memos. I wrote seven in five weeks, which is crazy to think about because we spent a whole semester writing one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wrote a lot of memos, just did a lot of research. I attended a deposition, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and Crow, they're mostly primarily litigation, and, but they're primarily defense as well. So that was cool being in the deposition because we were doing the objections, mm-hmm. not the questioning. Yeah. So that was cool. I also got to write a um, rule 37 letter, which basically to opposing counsel, which basically is like, hey, your responses to our discovery requests suck. And this is uh, what we're doing. This is how you can fix it before we file a motion to compel. So like that was really cool because I, cool. I got to go through the interrogatories and uh, all the things and be yeah. like, hey, this is not overburdensome, sir you know, (laughs) and here's why. Very, very
1: much so related to civil procedure, obviously. So that's really cool. I did a lot of CivPro stuff.
2: Yeah,
0: I did a lot of stuff with just tons of areas of law and it was awesome. So do you think that your internship has pulled you in any certain area of law in particular, or are you still figuring it out?
2: Um, I'm definitely still figuring it out. Right after I left Crow, I went and worked for a family friend who does solo practice. And I definitely decided I don't want to do that because he does everything. Like I could not even imagine because at Crow, I mean, it's a big firm. They've got paralegals. They've got, I had an assistant as an intern. Like I was like, what do I use her for? I don't even know. (laughs) Like, And so, uh. He did, he does like a lot of um, criminal defense and stuff like that. So I, I knew I didn't want to do anything criminal going into law school. I knew that that was not um, something I wanted to do. What I thought I wanted to do was child advocacy work and primarily family law. And yeah. being a CASA, I've kind of decided that that's a little too emotional for me. And so I kind of like the idea of doing big law and representing companies because there's not that personal emotional aspect to it. Because I don't know if I could go home at night and be like, oh my gosh, you know. Because being a CASA, you know, you deal with kids that are in foster care that are abused and neglected. So it's... Yeah.
0: So yeah. what is CASA for anybody who might not know what that is?
2: Most counties in every state have CASA Volunteer Program, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And CASAs basically are the one person in a child in foster care's life that is the consistent person. You know, when you're in foster care, you have your um, caseworker, you've got um, your foster parents, you've got all these different people coming in and out of your life. So like a CASA is that one constant person that is advocating for you in the courtroom. They're advocating for you in every aspect of your life. And basically that position takes information from every party involved and says, okay, based on what I've gathered, this is my recommendation for the best interest of this child. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's been really weird this summer because everything's via Zoom, but I've done court via Zoom and you get up and
0: you talk to the judge and basically give your recommendations. And um, yeah, it's been really, really cool. Was, is that work mostly like at the juvenile court, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm guessing that would be more maybe with the deprived cases, because since I worked um, in the criminal aspect of the juvenile court, I didn't see much of the CASA reps. Mm -hmm. But I know you guys were there, you know, but just maybe not in my courtroom.
1: So tell us the best way to know what kind of law you want to practice other than interning.
0: You know, I I don't
2: have an answer to that. I think the best way to figure it out is interning. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, I narrow down what I don't want to do. So, because I mean, it's so,
1: I feel like law so vast. There's yeah. so many different places to go. Yeah. Um. So, it, it you know, for the other than interning, like you're saying, it, it's hard to really get the experience that you need to know what you want to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like, it's different because y'all were in courtrooms all summer and I didn't step foot in one until the second half and I just sat there for maybe like five minutes. So like I didn't get that experience where like next summer I would love to be at like the DA's office or like something. Just so I do get that experience and decide like, oh, do I want to be in a courtroom when I get out of law school or do I want to be in a firm for a few years? Do like you know, the first year associate work of
0: research and writing Mm -hmm. and doing basically like, you know, the little things. I definitely think everyone should intern somewhere, you know, where you can be in the courtroom, whether it's even for just like a week, you know, um, or a day, you might figure out in a day that you really hate it or you really love it, you know? So yeah, we we like that advice too, because some people um, might be a little scared of the courtroom but it's really not that bad. I promise. Like I'm a really shy person and like I can see myself doing that. So if that says anything, you know, it might be worth it.
1: Last few questions. I know there's a ton (laughs) of them. So did you look at law school as a competition? You know, how did you approach that, you know, competition aspect in law school with grades, with cold calling with everything
2: yeah so I mean a lot of people would probably think that I'm really competitive because I was an athlete I'm not um that competitive I am to a degree I think we all are to a degree Mm -hmm. but um no I I mostly in you know what's great about our school is like everyone's so nice like everyone wants to help anybody and like I would be more than happy to give any notes or any outlines to anybody if they just ask like that's Mm -hmm. not that doesn't bother me yeah and I know a lot of schools, That's it's different, yeah. but what I, when I went into 1L year, once again, another thing written on my mirror, <laughs> <laughs> but it says, and I once again, see this every single day, because you do have to remind yourself, like we're all here for one end goal. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's rankings, but who gives a crap once we're you just get out? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so. What I see every day is my competition is not around me. It's within me. And so like, yeah, so like each day, I just need to be a better version of myself every Mm -hmm. single day. And that's the true competition. Like law school is just school, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is not the end all be all.
1: Just a step.
2: Yeah. And so that's kind of like my point of view on it.
1: I love that. Okay. Best advice for someone in their first weeks of one out. Don't freak out. <laughs> you,
2: <laughs> you will get it. Everyone. Okay. Literally everybody is in the dark with you. And I, I remember my first week being like, Oh my gosh, so-and-so interned at, you know, a PI firm this summer. I know nothing. Like they probably know all the torts and like, yeah. that's not true at all. Yeah. Um, so like, just know that everyone is in the same boat as you. And you will get the hang of it. You will figure out how to read faster, and it won't take you 10 hours to read. Like, it gets better. And just be nice. Everyone, just these are not only your peers, but they will be your colleagues in the legal profession. Like, the legal field is so small. So, just be nice and just enjoy it because, like, fall semester and spring semester, even though it was so weird, went by really fast.
0: That is so true. Um, so I guess last question, and it's an important one because, you know, you you keep on saying like when you do hypos and stuff, you look at like what you did wrong or like what you can change that's different, you know? So with all of your success, what's the one thing that you would have done differently your first year?
2: You know, I, I wish I would have taken more time to be so, more social in a sense. Like I have a good... Like I've made good friends, but I'm I'm not somebody that just likes surface level friendships mm-hmm. in a way. Like I'm very like, if you're my friend, you're you're my friend, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? And so like I think I wish I would have done a little bit more of that. Granted, like I was at the time in a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. And so like I had that whole obstacle and like spending my weekends doing that, which that's a that's a whole nother thing. But <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah I think I wish I would have just gone to more things instead of being
1: like oh I'm tired
2: like no you can be a social
1: butterfly for an hour you're fine yeah like you just going for 30 minutes yeah. like yeah just getting out there and meeting people and hanging out
0: but also I feel like it's if you didn't want to at the time like it it's okay as well, you know, definitely. like there's definitely been times where I'm like, Ugh. like it's such a pain to think about going and hang out with people because you just are so busy all the time and you know it's hard to get a moment to yourself sometimes, but you know, I think making relationships in law school is really important, and um, it's a good support system too.
1: I totally agree. It's just interesting with that you know question because you are very successful at school. And you have made a name for yourself and you have produced this clearly badass work ethic, you know. And it's interesting, guys, because whenever she says what she would have done different, it was to be, you know, more social. And if you were asked to me, I was the complete opposite. I'm a social (laughs) butterfly. I'm up to no good all the time. So I I just want to harp on this episode so much that, like, everybody's different. Everybody has a path in a way that it's going to work for them. Uh, I think hard work and being diligent and showing up prepared are the best things you can do for yourself in law school, 1L and onwards. So I really thank you so much for being on here and helping. you. You know, talking to us and everything. Such good advice.
0: Yeah, I know. I feel like I learned some tips that I'm gonna put. Um in I actually started the active reading notes thing for the first time. Um this <laughs> semester and I've really liked it so far. So yeah. And, and the notes are really good. I mean, I look at them, you know. So I'm like, hey, you know
1: and I love the the color pin idea. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm so all about the color, colors. So yeah.
0: So many colors.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. We really appreciate it.
0: No, thank you guys so much. And, um, yeah, all you 1Ls, she is, are you in the Facebook
2: group? Yeah. I've, like, commented on things, too. She's one of the ones that gives
0: advice. She's in the Facebook group. So if you guys want, maybe, you know, we got so many questions, and obviously we couldn't go through all them. And, you know, she's obviously really busy, and we're going to not, we're not going to ask her 300 questions. So we, we got the best ones. But if you really have, like, a pressing question, I'm sure she'd be open to, like, talking to you if you had like a specific um, or maybe a follow-up.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so
0: much. Wow, guys, that was a great interview. I know that I learned a lot of things that I definitely had no idea about, not no idea about, but maybe um, didn't realize how much work you really do need to put in to get the best grades. Like, um, you may think you're working really hard, and I know we off uh, off um, the record. I guess we're just <laughs> talking before we started recording this outro. That like, there's a difference between working hard and then working hard but focusing on the right things. And I think that Elizabeth gave some really great tips on how to focus on the right material. Um, like the tip about knowing where you are in the book. Like, I can't think of a time where i genuinely like thought okay where am i in the book like what are we really focusing on because i do tend to get lost in the cases sometimes mm-hmm. and focus on because it might be a case about murder but they're talking about like something completely different you know? yeah so like you know, something yeah. totally different so i think she had some really great advice and i know that you guys will really appreciate it too so yeah well as always guys
1: make sure you follow us on instagram Join our Facebook group and rate and subscribe wherever you listen and make sure and give us five stars.
0: Also a few announcements before we go. So the discount code for you guys will be C-R-E-D-O and you'll get 10% Ten percent off your order um, from our dot com for any merch. So that's C R E D O. We'll put it at the bottom of the show notes so we can make sure that you guys and know where to look. And know where to look. And also at OCU One L Section Five. Elizabeth's going to be a fellow for civil procedure. Um, so definitely go to those meetings if you're struggling with civil procedure. She knows what she's talking about. So and she wants to help. So make sure and
1: uh take advantage of all the opportunities that you guys have and yeah we'll talk to you guys again excuse me (laughs) we'll talk to you guys again next week
0: Bye. bye bye